0: Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. We're glad that you are here and that you can be a part of a recent service at TCC. So let's join the service which is already underway and listen to the message.
1: I will do my best to expedite my comments today. I feel to just share with you what's on my heart for today. And thankful for such a wonderful church. Believers who are committed to the things of God. I honor you, our guests that are with us. Let me make this statement and it might sound uh, obvious. Put my Captain Obvious hat on. But just because something makes a chirping sound doesn't make it a bird. However, a bird does chirp because it's a bird. Just because something makes a barking sound doesn't make it a dog. However, a dog does bark because it's a dog. We could go on and on with this. There's a long list of them. Just because something makes a mooing sound doesn't make it a cow. However, a cow does make a mooing sound. Just because someone does good works and does good things does not make them a Christian. However, a Christian does good works and does good things because they are a Christian. And I, I think that, again, maybe it's obvious, but we shouldn't seek to just mimic the behavior of Christ. But we should seek to let Christ work in us to create right behaviors. The Pharisees were showing good works. But they were dead on the inside. They were mimicking the behavior of the law, but they didn't know the law giver. Maybe if you have kids and your kids have walked through this phase of life, there's a phase where kids, maybe around two and three years old, they start to repeat words and phrases, start saying things. Saying things that they don't even know what they're saying. They don't even know. They don't comprehend. The words that they're using are beyond their comprehension. They don't don't even know what they're saying. And Ava was a classic example of this. She would say words, say phrases that I knew she didn't know what it meant. And, you know, I mean, she learned a few cuss words from Kristen, and I knew... I knew she didn't know what they meant. But it's kind of a a mark of immaturity. And here's the the thing. I didn't hope for her to stop using those words. Well, cuss words, yes. But (laughs) other words, big words that she was using, phrases she was using. I didn't want her to stop using those words, but I wanted her to have an understanding of what she was saying. Because if she could understand what she was saying, she could use that knowledge to do amazing things. She could use those words to do incredible things. And my hope is that we would not stop doing good works and doing good things talking about me too. I don't want to stop doing good things until I know what it all means. But I hope at the end of the day that God can work in us so we can understand the value of the good things that God wants us to do in this world. That we're not just mimicking behavior just to say that we're mimicking something Christ did, but to understand the Christ in us that's causing us to do those good things. And that working, that working in our life, I would submit today is grace. And I want to talk to you this morning about the gift of grace. Grace is God's help in our life. It's God's ability to help us do things in this life. It's God's assistance. It's God's favor in our life. God's boost, his strength, his support in our lives life. And the idea of God's grace is that I would accept what God has for me. I would accept God's work in my life and I would allow it to have an impact in my life and through my life. Let's look at a passage Titus chapter 1 or 2 verse 11. It says for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Everyone say all men. Everybody. God's grace that brings salvation is, has appeared to all men. But that grace is not intended to just sit idly in our lives. But the Bible says that grace does something when it arrives. In Titus chapter 2 verse 12 it says grace teaches us. That denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people. Why? Zealous for good works. Grace arrives. God's grace that we sing about that's so amazing arrives in our life to teach us to cause things to come out of our lives that bring good works into the world. There's a book I read years ago and it talked about grace and specifically about our responsibility with grace. And it said that grace Grace and that our responsibility to grace could be phrased this way it's my response to His ability. My response to His ability. When grace shows up, I have to decide if I let grace work in my life. And it's my response to His ability. Let's consider a little bit about grace. Have you ever got a a present from someone and it didn't meet your expectations? If you're sitting next to that person, I apologize. But you've received something, it didn't quite meet your expectations. How about did you ever get something from someone, a gift from somebody, and you knew what the gift was going to be, like you, you knew it. But when you got it, it was better than what you thought it was going to be, not as many hands probably on that one. <laughs> Ever bought something that you thought was pretty cool when you got it home? You opened it up, you looked at it, and it was better than what you thought it was going to be. I, I I bought a computer years ago, long long time ago, and the reason I say long time because it was a PC. It was a it was a Windows based computer. I don't. I've been saved and sanctified now, and I'm apostolic, so anyway. So I bought this computer, and in the box, you know, I saw, it wasn't just a laptop, but it was a laptop with a scanner and a printer and a fax machine built in. And not only that, but it had a digital camera. That was a big deal. Digital camera, big deal. So... Got the got it out and I opened the box and start looking through it all. And if there are any young people here, they're going to be like, "This is not a big deal." But for me, in that moment, it was a big deal because when I looked at the camera, it wasn't just a camera that took photos; it was a camera that actually also did video. <laughs> That's awesome. it was really awesome at the time. And not only did it have that really cool camera and the video camera, but it had this cable that you could connect your camera to the computer, which was great. But not only did that cable connect to my computer with that that camera, but it also connected my BlackBerry phone. So now I just kind of put myself in a date spectrum there for some of you. Some of you are like, what's a blackberry phone um, but I unwrapped it I got into it and it was better it was better than what I thought and I have to confess that when I consider the cross in my life sometimes I'm not sometimes I'm guilty of not realizing how really amazing the cross is I short sell the cross and I short sell what grace really does in my life, the weight and the impact of what his work on the cross did for me. And when I dig into it, when I look into it and when I read his word and when I sing about it, there's something about it that says, you know what? It's a little bit better than you even thought it would be. And I, I know some of you have have, have experienced the wonder of, of serving God and the wonder of his spirit and power. And I, I would guess that there is something about it that said, you know what, it really is sometimes joy unspeakable and full of glory. It's beyond what I even thought it was going to be. When I look at the symbol of the cross, sometimes it's, It loses its value when it's just a symbol. But when I get into it, when I look into the word, when I think about it and I contemplate what the cross actually did for me, it's better. What grace did for me is better. When we unwrap this gift of grace, we realize that it's better than what we thought it would be. Our Bible school definition of grace is God's unmerited favor. It's God's unmerited favor. The key word there is unmerited. Unmerited because we didn't deserve God's grace. We did not deserve God's grace. But God gave us His favor. He gave us His love. He gave us His help when we didn't deserve it. I'm reminded of the picture of this when uh, I think about often my former pastor Pastor Paul Cook in Columbus Ohio and they adopted three kids three kids, Preston Pearson and Jelaine and it had a profound impact on me then and still does that they would adopt these kids these kids who really didn't have a family didn't even have a hope or an inheritance. But they invited them. They invited them to live with them. And not just live with them. You got a house and then you're gone. No. They were actually going to give them their inheritance. They were going to pass on the things that they had to these children. And it's the grace. It's the same thing with the grace of God. It's unmerited. We didn't deserve it. But God is willing to. To give us something that we didn't deserve. Extend His love. And His mercy to us. The Bible says that we are God's adoptive kids. We didn't deserve what He did on the cross. We didn't deserve the gift. We don't deserve His presence. But He said, you can call me Father. You can cry out to me. Because I want to reconcile you to myself. And so... He died on that cruel cross to bring us in relationship to Him. It was unmerited. It was undeserving. And we need to understand that we didn't deserve anything about grace. You didn't deserve grace. I didn't deserve grace, but He gave it. And so when we consider unmerited favor, I think that's a picture of grace, but it's an incomplete picture of grace. Because that's not... Entirely, how grace works. Because I, I, I think a better picture or another picture might be imagine a teenager somebody maybe 16 years old breaking into your garage and starting to steal some of the stuff in your garage. In the middle of the night you wake up to the sound of things being ravaged in your garage. And so you call the police and you call them and you they come and they They uh, put him in jail and then there's a court trial because this person has robbed from you. This teenager has robbed from you. And so you go to the court and you go to that place and you get ready for them to sentence this young person to jail. And instead of them sentencing him to jail, you say, you know what, wait a minute. I don't want them to go to jail. I want you to set them free. I'm not gonna accuse them anymore. But not only am I not going to accuse them, actually, judge, I would like to bring them into my house. I would like to invite them into my house to live with us. And I'm not just gonna have them live with us, but I'm actually gonna adopt them. I'm gonna give them my name. And I'm going to give them my inheritance. And when I pass from this life, all my riches, all my wealth, all my home, all my cars, I'm actually going to give it to them. I know they started off in my garage stealing from me. But I'm going to actually adopt them and give them my inheritance. That's the picture of grace. That's the real picture that you and I get to experience every day. Because Romans, Paul would say, but God demonstrates his own love towards us. In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But he says this much more than having now been justified by his blood. We shall be saved from the wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, enemies, enemies. You see, it wasn't just that we were not following Christ, we were enemies to Christ. And yet he said, I'll adopt you, I'll bring you into my house, and I'll give you my name, and I'll give you my inheritance. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have now received the reconciliation. He reconciles us to himself even though we were enemies to him. Even our best deeds are stained with sin. And in the strict view of justice, we deserve to be punished Rather than rewarded. And so when we look at grace and we look at the gift of grace. It's not just that we received grace and we didn't deserve grace. But it's that we actually deserve the wrath. Grace is grace because it keeps us from receiving the wrath that we deserved. And that, my friend, is the power of grace. God's actions predated my actions. He actually had my actions in mind when he died on the cross. But he said, my grace is enough. My grace is not just keeping you from something. It's giving you something. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3, I'll quickly read through this among whom also we are all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh. Has anybody been there? You fulfilled the desires of the flesh, of the mind. You were by nature, nature children of wrath, just as the others. But what does it say? But God, who is rich in mercy... Because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace, you have been saved. Yeah. And raised up together, made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Can I tell you that the more you understand grace, the more you reach into grace, the more you uncover and unpack grace, you'll realize you'll never get to the bottom of grace. It's exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think. The exceeding riches of his grace abounds for us. And you may have thought you found amazing grace. I'll tell you today, you haven't even begun to scratch the surface of what grace does for you. And so he said, for by grace, you have been saved through faith, faith and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God. It is a gift of God. You cannot do enough to earn God's grace. But because you have grace, your life changes. Yeah. Oh, hallelujah. It says, not of ourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We were created in Christ for good works. And so we have the opportunity by God's Spirit, by God's Spirit, to experience the grace that He has for us. In Ephesians chapter 4, 7, but to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. What was Christ's gift to us? In John chapter 14, Jesus said, and I will pray the Father... And he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. He said, I will not leave you orphans, but I will come to you. The spirit of God comes to us. It is grace come to us. The Spirit, when you receive the baptism of the Spirit, it is God's grace in your life. You see, Romans chapter 8, verse 11, it says, But if the Spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Verse 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Spirit comes and it brings grace to our lives. That's why Peter on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 would say, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Spirit is the gift of grace to all of us. So grace is available for any of us. And I... I was in Walmart years ago and I was in line and overheard a lady talking in line and that was when you could actually stand close enough to people to hear them talk in the grocery store line. And I overheard her telling a story about her husband who, uh, when he was a child, was told by his parents that if he wasn't good, that they were giving all the presents back to Santa. And sure enough, he was bad. And sure enough, all the presents went back to Santa. It's a very fiscally wise thing to do. (laughs) But God's grace is not given to you because you're good enough. God's grace is not given to you because you're good enough. It's not given to you because you are good. It's given to you because he is good. That's why his grace comes into our lives. It's a gift. It's a gift that we didn't deserve. That's unmerited. That in fact we deserve the opposite. But he gave us a gift of his spirit. Because he is good. So that grace that he showed on the cross, that love is living inside of us. And so when I think of pictures of grace, there's different kinds of pictures of grace in the Bible. I think of Peter. and They're in a boat and Jesus comes walking on the water and Jesus invites him to come out. And the wind was boisterous, but he steps out on the boat. Water and he begins to walk, and all of a sudden he becomes human and he's afraid. And so Jesus reaches his hand and grabs him and pulls him up. That's a picture of grace. So many times we're falling, so many times we're slipping away, so many times we've walked away from God, so many times we failed God, but yet when we cry out to him, Peter said, Save me grace because grace God gives us in our life strengthen us to hold us up to help us so I conclude today I want to share another illustration but I'm going to have you watch a video that I think illustrates grace in a profound way it's not great quality but I want to share it I think it provides a great perspective. This morning we're launching a new series called Today's Real Heroes.
2: Our national correspondent, Natalie Morales, is here with an unforgettable pair, Natalie. And it's a story you have to see to believe. Our real heroes today are Dick and Rick Hoyt, better known as Team Hoyt. And if you haven't heard of them yet, be prepared. They're almost legends in their own right. And you'll see right now why they are heroes to so many this is one of the greatest love stories of all time a story of a father who climbs mountains and runs to the ends of the earth and back to give his son a better life a life that transcends the limitations of his body Rick Hoyt's fight started at birth 44 years ago when the umbilical cord was wrapped around his neck
0: he looked beautiful and he was strong and he was laying on his stomach and I thought he was doing push-ups but what it was, he was having spasms.
2: The doctors told Dick and Judy Hoyt that their son had cerebral palsy and would never be able to walk or talk.
0: They said, forget Rick, put him away, put him in an institution. He's gonna be nothing but a vegetable for the rest of his life. And we said, no, we're not gonna put Rick away. We're gonna bring Rick home and bring him up like any other child.
2: So when the Hoyt family went to the beach for a swim, Rick went too.
0: He'd sink down at the bottom, and he'd look up and start laughing. He played street hockey. We'd just get a stick and push him in a chair and hold the stick for him. We did everything with him that we did with the other two boys.
2: And Rick responded.
0: And you look in his eyes, and he was looking right at you, and you could tell that he understood everything they were talking about.
2: But it wasn't until he was 12 when Rick found his voice, called the Hope Machine, a computer system created by a team of Tufts engineers.
0: Hopefully, people will look at me as an intelligent person and look past my disabilities. He could tell us exactly what he wanted, how he felt, you know, where he wanted to go. And it, it got him to go to school and get to be able to talk to a lot of other people.
2: It was at high school where Rick first learned of a five-mile charity road race for a paralyzed teenager.
0: And he said, Dad, I have to do something for him. I want to let him know that life goes on.
2: For Dick, who wasn't a runner, it was a call to action as a father.
0: Rick told me he said, Dad, I'm going to run and it feels like my disability disappears.
2: And that was all Dick needed to hear. Now, at the age of 66 and 44, Dick and Rick have run 950 races, 60 marathons, including their 25th Boston Marathon this year. They even started doing triathlons, competing in six Ironmans, the ultimate test of strength and endurance. All the way, Dick pulls, pushes, and carries Rick's 110-pound frame over the course of the 2.4-mile swim, 112-mile bike ride, and 26.2-mile run. So on this day, we're going for a leisurely stroll. This is a slower pace than you two normally go, right? Oh, this
0: is a nice pace, too. (laughs) It's a good break.
2: But they don't slow down for long.
0: As long as we're still having fun, we're enjoying it, and we're healthy, we're going to continue doing it.
2: But it's Rick's achievements on the sidelines that are most awe-inspiring.
0: I may be disabled, but I live a very fulfilling life.
2: Not only did Rick graduate from high school, but also from college, earning his degree from Boston University. And he now lives in his own apartment.
0: I have shown to disabled people that they don't have to sit back and watch the world go by. They too can go to school, get a job, and be included in everyday life.
2: The Hoyt's motto is simply, you can. And they've made so many believe anything is possible he's competing
0: in road races competing in triathlons and all of a sudden all of these videos are popping up on us and people are emailing around the world and it's, it's just a great feeling
2: i read them an email they recently received one of thousands from a perfect stranger i write this because i'm a father and to my shame i have been nothing like you dick i have been selfish more than i've been selfless i'm not raising my son the way i had intended to raise him and up to this point, you could say, I've failed. But yesterday, in a moment's time, I was changed. My heart was broken when I saw how much you must love your son to put yourself through such agony that he might experience the thrill of the race. Yesterday, it became less about me and more about being my children's father. I thank you, sir. You hear this over and over again. Yes. Yeah. It, it clearly is... It touches you every time.
0: It really does. Yeah.
2: But you're you're more than a father. I mean, you are a hero to so many. Mm. And most importantly, you're a hero to to Rick.
0: I just think I'm, I'm myself, and I just love my family. And I just want to be the very best father I can be. <laughs>
1: When I think about the cross think about Jesus who had my life in, on his mind giving me hope in my brokenness and in my sin that he would carry me to help me experience the thrill of the race. Paul said this he said there was a messenger of Satan that kept messing with me basically it was a thorn in the flesh but he said God said to me my grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in weakness therefore most gladly I will Rather, boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. In 2013, Dick and Rick Hoyt were honored with a bronze statue near the starting line of the Boston Marathon. And it simply says, yes, you can. And this morning, thank God says that about us in this room. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. But it's not just because you're strong. But I just see a God carrying us, a God pulling us, a God pushing us to places we could never go without him, doing things we could never do without him. But you can, I can, because of the gift of grace. Before I invite you to just step to this altar this morning as our final act of worship, I want us to just pray together. And I wonder if you would just acknowledge and maybe one more time surrender your life to the grace of God, the help of God. God wants to help you. God wants to strengthen you. What is your response going to be to his ability? What's your response to his ability? Let's pray together. Lord, we come to you this morning. I thank you for the picture of grace that we've seen in your word. I thank you, God, for the picture of adoption. I thank you for the picture of mercy. I thank you for the picture of reaching, and I thank you for the picture of of strength, Lord, that you bring into our lives. Lord, these pictures that show us what grace really is meant to be. I pray if there's someone here today who has not experienced the true measure of the gift of grace. They have not experienced the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. They have not been baptized with it. Lord, I pray today they would receive that gift today. God, you are doing amazing things in our lives. And you want us, Lord, to do amazing things in this world. God, you want us to do good works. You want us to be zealous for good works. But, Lord, we're praying today, and I'm praying today, that grace would be present. Amazing grace. God, grace that is just waiting for us to surrender to it, to open it for all it's worth. God, to see the full measure of what you did on the cross. God what you did when you sent your spirit to us God I thank you for your grace that brings hope I thank you for your grace that brings strength in very dark times when we walk through the valley of shadow of the shadow of death Lord that we don't fear because grace is present
0: this podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati Ohio for more information about the Calvary Church